Dallas Design Sprints podcast. We've been away for the Global Virtual Design Sprint, but we're going to start recording again very soon. In fact, we're going to be post-processing a lot of recordings I did back in the months of August and September before the event really took off. One of them is Micah Kopens. She is a conversation designer, a UX designer by trade, but she is pretty much dominating the voice sprint space. Uh, she basically empowers professionals around the globe to create meaningful voice experiences. She's all about voice user interface design, and she feels it's a crucial discipline that's going to be growing in the tech landscape coming up. And I very much align with that sentiment. She's published a number of articles on LinkedIn on how to quickly and efficiently venture into the voice space. She's done a number of podcasts recently, and she'll be doing some upcoming projects towards the latter part of this year and the beginning of next year. So here's my conversation with Micah, and we'll see you on the other side. Where do you draw the line between simple and complex when it comes to user interface design with uh, voice? I think, and this is my personal opinion, that at the moment, the technology and the stage where we're at, we need to design uh, our voice interfaces as tight as possible so that users can actually get their reply as fast as possible. Like The thing is, we're, uh, we're not uh, today both in technology way and in adaption way um, at a stage where someone is going to sit down and have an actual conversation for hours like they would a best friend. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that and to say, okay, now we have loads and loads of people today, both in Europe, adoption is really big, um, that have these smart speakers in their home uh, that are still that they are still mainly using it for very uh, basic use cases, setting alarms, listening to music, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Things are used to playing games, getting a bit of information. If we want, if we want it to go beyond that, if we want it to evolve an actual conversation, we need to make sure that these simple tasks really, really work well, and that a user can get uh, his personalized information as soon as possible. Because when you think about it, the smart speaker is in their homes, they just walk by and say, hey, Alexa, what's the time? Or, hey, Alexa, what, what's the weather like today? Or, okay, Google, um, what can I visit in Boulder? Like these kind of things. It's, it's like a passing by thing. It's not I sit down with my computer and I start looking at things for a very, very long time. So, so I, I, think, I think the design behind it should be so elaborate and complex that for the user, like on a backhand point of view, that for the user, it's super simple. And they ask one question, they get their very personalized on the spot answer right away without doing 10,000 interactions. Because the thing is, this is a new technology and we are habit people, right? So, and because we are habit people and it takes a long time to change habits, if we are going to need more time or the same amount of time to get the information as we would the way we did it before, that's to say on the web, with our smartphones, wherever, then we'll just stick with the old thing. Because it's so much easier to stick with the old thing than to learn a new way of interacting. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm very, um, I think I'm very high on 
on natural conversation uh, rather than like telling users what to say or um, and I would say uh, I, th I think also that um, now nowadays we can like studies start showing and, and we start seeing in, in user research as well that when interacting with these interfaces people are starting to use keywords to like to adapt their way of speaking to make sure that the smart speaker understand what they really want and um, and I don't think that's necessarily a good thing because it's already a correction, uh, like a correction mechanism. Actually, it's also already a sign that it's not quite working in a very natural, simple way. It's like it's already like we're already starting to find mechanisms to get what we want, and friction is already there. So, what kind of voice design will you be doing in 2020 around this time? <laughs> I will be doing voice design sprints, uh, a lot of them. Uh, and I will be doing voice design sprints um, for, uh, and I'm very particular about it because I'm, I want it to be a positive interface. And I'll tell you, so, so basically I want it to be a positive interface in the sense that um, it is natural, intuitive interactions that I, I that's I'm uh, that's what I'm all about actually I'm all about designing intuitive conversations that people will love and that's a kind of also why first of all uh, voice design sprints because it is a collaborative process it's not just one designer being an island saying hey let's do a voice design and let the here is how to do it but voice design sprints are all about like getting everyone in the company involved in the design getting everyone letting everyone have their say in how it should go because conversation is even like google says it, it is a uh, it's a discipline for human computer interaction based on human conversation and so the thing is that that's how they put it and I'm, i totally agree with it because as it is based on human conversation if it's just one person designing the thing well then then what you're going to get is a monologue not a dialogue design sprints are really really uh, appropriate to start this dialogue start the dialogue in the beginning of the process but also during the the, the voice design sprint and the way i adapted it there's loads and loads and loads of um, like place for role play and having conversations uh, and understanding what human conversations is about and understanding what the design principles are and the expectations from users in a, like from a psychological point of view when having a conversation. So, um, so, so actually, um, that's why I'm so very keen on, on, on doing design sprints for voice as particularly because it helps people understand as it is a collaborative process and as conversation is a collaborative process as well it really goes very well together and because it's a new technology it also helps bring everyone on board from the get-go no matter what like if you do a good voice design then you get the right team with people from marketing with people from the tech side when with designers you get this fantastic mix of knowledge uh, just all packed into one room, and that that kind that that makes for the best uh, I would say minimum viable ex viable experiences, because I've seen in a lot of innovation departments 
what happens is, oh, there's a new technology. Let's do a technical prototype, which basically means that the developers are going to try to figure out how it works and then put something out there with ever, without ever talking to a designer. Or uh, what, what else happens is, okay, um, there's this new technology, so uh, let's just do an MVP. Uh, let's spend 10,000 meetings and four months to do a minimal viable product that's really just based on what we already have as a data set, what, we already, what, what legacy we have. And the thing is, voice is such a new way of um, interacting that you can't just take whatever content you already have uh, like pages and pages of information from a frequently asked question page, for example, which is my favorite counterexample. You can't just say when the user asks the question to the voice interface, you can't just go and read off general conditions of sales for uh, five or six or seven minutes because after the third like sentence, he will already be lost and will have, have no idea what should he, should he or she should do. And what's going to happen is the same person is going to take up their phones and call the um, after sales service. Uh, and not only this time they're going to be upset because uh, they have a question and their thing isn't working, because, but they are also going to be upset because their, their product isn't working. They have a question. They asked the voice assistant and they didn't get the answer to what, and they still had to call. So that makes for seven interactions instead of just going to the website, reading what they need to do and do it. Explain how a voice design sprint is different from a regular design sprint. How have you curated it for different activities? Can you get in, into that a little bit? Yeah, sure. The, um, Google has put up a conversation design uh, framework, which is very nice and based on the regular design sprint with a few adaptations. Uh, it, it talks about system persona, which we were talking about just before, actually. Um, and so I curated it in a way that, first of all, I do an icebreaker uh, that I designed, which is called speech dating. And this icebreaker, uh, the speech dating icebreaker, is actually a way of getting people uh, to, uh, first of all, get to know each other, which is really important when you do a design sprint, get the energy up, uh, get the spirit going. But at the same time, uh, it introduces people to everything that could possibly go wrong in a conversation. So that makes for a very, very nice like icebreaker, a serious game at the same time. Everyone start laugh, starts laughing, but at the same time, they start like understanding, hey, like designing a conversation isn't actually that easy because what you, what you would think is because we've been like talking and talking to each other for, well, for forever, that designing a conversation would be super simple that anyone could do it. And, but actually, when you see all the challenges that come with a conversation, um, then they start realizing, oh my God, this isn't going to be as simple as we thought it was. Um, so that's kind of, uh, it also helps them, um, it also helps manage expectations a bit around voice technology. And then uh, after well, that, do, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Do, do you do the traditional activities around making a map or uh, like ideating on Tuesday, like you normally do in the design sprint? 
um, when it comes to storyboarding or prototyping, does that process different from what you would normally do? I imagine it would be. You'd be either making a skill or something to kind of emulate what you think would be. Yeah, exactly. So actually, yeah. So actually, what happens after this, uh, like icebreaker on the first day, of course, um, then the uh, the lightning talks and the expert reviews uh, come from uh, both uh, user insights from the company side, as it usually does. Um, but there's also a bit of a design talk uh, that I added, which uh, exposes people, which, which helps people under better understand this voice technology. Uh, because uh, as it is a new technology, as it is a new way of designing, you have to kind of educate people around principles about good best practices, etc., etc. And then we go into um, very, very more basic activities which are um, based around okay the challenge like what what are we going to do with this new technology and it's all about brainstorming then and what kind of skill what do we want to be building with all the information we got from the expert reviews and um, one 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 um, one thing I use for for people to be able to like think about it in a more concrete way, like when we're starting to like narrow it down, converge a bit better. Um, so when everyone comes up with ten thousand good or bad or ideas, basically around what the skill or the action should be about, um, I then give them a. They have a template of a uh, voice skill description. Uh, like how it would appear in the um, skill uh, store or the action explorer store for Google. And they have to kind of um, fill in the gaps, like what, what is the description, what it is for, and what are the example phrases? How, how am I going to call this skill? Like how am I going to say, okay, Alexa, talk to blah, 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 or okay, Alexa, ask blah, blah, blah for this thing I defined. And so everyone, do, do, everyone does these individually, uh, making their, I, I call it the dream skill, like the dream skill. Uh, and then uh, we go around actually and we do dot voting on which ones uh, they think are best to explore later on. Uh, and then um, in the second, uh, like in the more second part when it's all about defining, um, in the in the actual conversation design sprint, if there's a lot of uh, things about a user persona, system persona. Uh, Amazon does a bit more around situational design, which situation your user is in, etc. Um, I'm not a big fan of personas, but we're already like we've already discussed it. <laughs> I do I do uh, workshops more around tone of voice. Like, is it a friendly tone of voice, a more serious tone of voice? Uh, I have a framework that kind of lets them uh, choose between uh, like two very opposite points of view, um, which is uh, based on the Nielsen Norman um, framework for uh, tone of voice. Um, and then, uh, and then I also have cards, uh, which they do a card sort. Of, they do a card sort of card sorting to really define into detail the tone of voice. And on these cards, there is like tones of voices like ironic, uh, friendly, gross, uh, <laughs> um, profane, 
Um, which is actually a funny thing because a lot of companies they all go laughing and say, "Well, ha, 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 well, we won't make our like we won't make our our voice uh, interface uh, swear or anything." Um, but I, I, I still put it in there because it makes them think about how friendly they want their uh, tone of voice to be, um, like how serious they want it to be. Kind of liberates the mind thinking, okay, we can do, like, there's this very negative thing that we see as very negative, so what kind of positive thing do, do we want to put behind it? I knew of one, one voice interface, which was over the phone. Um, I don't remember the name, but I knew of one that actually was actually a, you could call the phone bot and um, you would insult it and it would insult you back. And it was actually, the, the idea behind it was, I think, because uh, I, I had nothing to do with the design of the production, just, I just know it's out there. Um, the idea behind it was that some people kind of need to load off in like steam when they're coming home from work and then they, they called them on the way home and then when they got home they were all like relaxed based because they had gotten all of the negativity out. Well, anyway. Um, so yeah, so then once they've got uh, defined their tone of voice, they've defined what the use case is going to be. Uh, and then what comes next is uh, the welcome message. And this is where the role playing starts. So uh, everyone writes down the welcome message they think is going to be great. And then, um, then we go out and do role plays and they test, they test it with like other people uh, they test the conversation and what they what they see most of the time is that the way they thought it was going to go is not at all the way the person like actually replies and it's so, so it's so it's they a, actually act as they they so the, what you're saying is is that the people on the team to prototype the the script or to prototype the voice um, no they don't they, they don't prototype they, they just design it it's like it's how would they I essentially them? become the person that interacts with the tester? Yes. But they, they yes. have their own so script. One part of the team becomes uh, the user and the other part becomes the, the interface. And then they have the conversation and then they see how they kind of need to adapt what they actually thought. But this is only, only for the welcome message, like the hello, welcome to blah, blah, blah skill. This is what you can do. How can I help you today? Uh, and so uh, once they have, they, they get their welcome message really tight, really right and uh, in the right tone of voice. Uh, and then they build it up from there. And at the end uh, of the day, uh, at the end of day two, uh, they actually have a conversation from A to Z that they've role played several times. So to make sure that it's absolutely in line with the tone of voice they define to make sure it's in line with the expectations they were having. And then what happens on day three is the prototyping and the actual tools like Adobe XD, Tortu.io, uh, VoiceFlow, etc. Uh, and this, this doesn't need to be done with the team. Uh, a lot of loads of the times I do do it with the team because a lot of the teams want to learn about prototyping for voice. Um, so at the same time, they are kind of learning about prototyping for voice. Um, 
So, so it depends, but it, they don't necessarily have to be there uh, because sometimes they just don't have the time to do four days in a row, right? Uh, so, so um, when do you, so after you get done with prototyping, how often do you see these voice designs for prototypes going to market and being tested with real customers? So, uh, tested to the customers, well, uh, user testing happens on day four. And it either happens with the prototypes we did uh, on day three, or if the older prototypes didn't really get finished, finished in a digital way. What we sometimes do also is Wizard of Oz testing. So Wizard of Oz testing is a uh, user testing method uh, that um, uh, enables, this is really adapted actually for voice uh, because um, there is the user that interacts with an artifact uh, which represent Alexa, or sometimes it's a Pringles box. Uh, loads of the time it's a Pringles box because it's like very close to a voice interface. And then the tester is actually behind a curtain uh, acting as if he was uh, the, the uh, interface. So the testing already happens on day four. And then uh, basically what happens is from those tests, basically with five users, same thing as in the regular design sprint really, uh, for for that part, um, it's it's uh, and then yeah, in the afternoon we debrief on what the user testing said and whether or not we're going to go to market. Um, what I can say is I've done voice design sprint in uh, a few cases, uh, a few cases where it was like we don't know what to do with voice. Please help us out. Let's strategize around it and let's like actually do something about it and see what, how, what and how, why, how and what we're going to do. Um, do, those strategic, do those strategic yeah. discussions that happen around the execution of the voice design sprint, do they, are they similar to what I normally hear myself with planning out the overall execution of a regular design sprint, meaning that there's a bit of orientation in the beginning, then there's the design sprint, and then finally there's either the build or the testing in a real world environment to see if what happened in the design sprint has actual traction when uh, outside yeah. of that construct. So the, the, yeah, so the thing is, um, what happens is with these very new, like with voice design sprint where the company doesn't already have a skill where they haven't experimented before, uh, what usually happens is they after they do a small build from for the minimum valuable experience we design during the voice design sprint, and then little by little check out what traction they get. Uh, from uh, what I've seen from voice, like from companies I've worked with that on the voice design sprint for skills that they already have and they feel are not getting enough traction is what usually happens is that after the voice design sprint, they go, oh, well, we did this entire roadmap, but we now realize that we need to do all of it all over again because the voice design sprint helped us be more aligned about what we want amongst different services. And also now we understand better what voice is all about. Um, so now we understand that this very uh, complex, confusing use case we did in the beginning wasn't perhaps the right idea, but the thing we came up with in the voice design sprint is so interesting, so let's do that now. Uh, which, which always makes me feel bad because I feel like I went in there 
and kind of stirred around the soup and then uh, and then they kind of have to do all their like road mapping all over again but in the end, I'm out of here i can't be here yes figure it out sorry uh but uh, but he's yeah but he's really uh but on the other hand they're all also very grateful because they say well it gave us a totally new perspective and the fact that we all work together got us really around that like aligned around this new technology because now we all have the same amount of understanding of how it works we have the same insights into uh what we want to do and we all work together to get it done and what's re and what i would say what i would emphasize is that um it's so super important to have tech people in a in a voice design sprint um first of all uh alignment of course but second of all they are the people who know what today's limitations and challenges are with this technology they know what is going to be possible or what is not going to be possible what is a dream and what is actually reality from a technical point of view how many like how how easy or how hard it is going to be to build in how much time etc etc and uh it involves them in the entire process it helps them see uh from a, a design perspective why certain things are important to users as well um and it it avoids the fact that you go off designing a voice skill that has that is in your mind superb you've done user testing it you see that okay users could definitely go with that and then you deliver like you hand it over to the development team and they go well to date what you just did with voice well i we're not going to be able like it's not possible like what you you're asking here certainly it's it would work if this was just html and web and what not but with voice today the recognition is not up to the point that i could like that this could possibly go in a very good way so the fact that you have tech people um integrated in a sprint um helps you um with with getting things like like getting things um more into a reality perspective i would say and and sometimes sometimes what happens uh, what what i do is that you have uh, in a regular sprint right the regular design sprint you have everyone that start pointing and then you have the designers that have a few more dots to to vote it may raise the question if i wanted to do my own voice design sprint what would i need to do first of all what you need as a team in then this is my opinion and because and like valuable, and a very valuable one by the way uh this is my uh, opinion so that's what you need in the room is people from the marketing team like if if we're going for a voice design sprint with a brand um definitely people from the marketing team people from the design team ux designers they have all the knowledge about users and all the things they did before um ter- third of all um the someone from the innovation team because a lot of the time this is where the asks are coming from at, at the moment because it's still very new technology um 
so one, two, three, four, project managers, obviously, uh, and then tech people, as I said, people from the IT, uh, which are going to be putting all of the things together. They know what data is available, what data is not available, because with AI, a lot of, uh, of the information you'll be giving out, if it's just simple um, yes and no answers that you're going to predefined if you're actually going to be using dynamic data they are the people that are going to tell you okay that's data we can get and just reconstitute because it's labeled right in our databases or okay uh, that's never going to happen because our databases just are not adapted to it um, mm -hmm. and so basically uh, what was what I was going to say just uh, after uh, well, like when, before you interrupted me was is what I often do in the dot voting sessions is um, after the how my please after the brainstorming sessions um, I actually give the tech people uh, um, a sorting uh, task where they sort like everything that is uh, possible and I use the now how wow framework for this um, so what they could possibly technically do like now tomorrow with little effort um, which they think might be possible but still they have to look into how it works uh, how it might work like this would take some more exploratory uh, work from them and then um, the the wow is about okay it's going to take some effort uh, but we really think we can do it uh, and um, and so it's the um, now how our framework is 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 a good framework for that because it kind of um, takes away from the very binary uh, possible impossible because if you do it in the possible impossible way what happens is and everyone looks at the the developers and say oh they're just spoiling all our fun but if you use the and uh, now how well framework, the things that are not possible kind of got, got forgotten about because it's all about like, okay, this is more difficult. This we can do now without much effort. This we can do, this will have great impact and we, we don't have to put much effort. This, this is the wow, right? Um, so, so it's all about, yeah, but that, as I said, I'm a positive kind of person. So I try, I try to use only positive frameworks in the, like in, in the workshops I do. I promise to never interrupt you ever again. <laughs> no, don't say that. I, like, you need to interrupt me because I could go on and on and on about this. Well, let's, let's, let's ask this question then. If people want to know more about what you're doing in the future and want to pay attention to upcoming activities and events that you get yourself involved with, where on the interwebs did they go find out more? Um, so uh, on the interwebs, uh, on the interwebs, they can find me a lot on LinkedIn, uh, where I'm at under my name, which is Mike Coppens, uh, which I'm sure you're going to be putting a link into whatever wherever you're like posting this to, because otherwise no one is going to be able to find me. <laughs> Yeah, that's because I'm a very international. Uh, I'm a very international girl. I was born in Belgium. I've lived in the UK for a few months. I lived in Germany, and, and now I'm living in South of France. So um, yes, that's why I care about internationalization so, so much. Um, 
So, so yeah, so LinkedIn, uh, definitely. Uh, I also have a Instagram uh, under M Creations, which is the name of my company uh, that uh, I uh, own. And uh, that's on Instagram, so mcreations.io. Yeah, and that's basically it. LinkedIn right. and Instagram. That's, that's where my attention is. Sounds good. Yeah. Micah, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate having a conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you very much for tuning into the Dallas Design Sprints podcast. If you have a question or comment for me, feel free to reach out at robert at dallasdesignsprints.com. You can find me on the web just by doing a search for Robert Scrobe, Dallas Design Sprints, or the Global Virtual Design Sprint. You can also hunt me down on Pinterest, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, Reddit, and a whole bunch of other social media channels. Just look me up and we can have a conversation. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you next time.